This podcast from Teacher Magazine is supported by the Australian Student Wellbeing Framework, now live on the Student Wellbeing Hub. There are five interconnected elements which together promote better safety, well-being and learning. The new framework is designed to be useful, accessible and easy to apply to your school context. Visit studentwellbeinghub.edu.au Hello, and thank you for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Rebecca Vukovic. Imagine knowing you have a 1 in 10 chance of winning 1 million US dollars. Well, that's the reality for Rudy Hill High School teacher Yesterday Selva Kumaran. Yesterday has been an educator for the past nine years and has won a slew of awards throughout her career. But this year, she's found herself amongst the top 10 finalists for the 2019 Global Teacher Prize, an award that recognises one exceptional teacher who's made an outstanding contribution to the teaching profession. Yesterday is a humanities teacher and a leader in professional practice at her Western Sydney school. She's passionate about her job and the students she works with. She joins me today to talk about her interest in social justice how she connects with students from different backgrounds, and how she uses her lessons to help students to understand the world around them and their place in it. We also discuss her approach to personalised learning plans and how to go about building confidence in students. To kick things off though, I asked yesterday to give listeners an overview of Rudy Hill High School and its context. Um, so Rudy Hill High School is in Sydney's western suburbs um, and it has uh, 50% of students come from a non-English speaking background and one of the greatest challenges that we have at this school is we have 80% of students starting year 7 below grade average um, so that's like something that as a staff um, we have we work together to be able to respond to and provide uh, the, the best opportunities um, for students to be able to make significant progress um, from the time they come in to us at high school. Yeah, and I know you were a migrant yourself. Your family is originally from Sri Lanka and they moved to Australia when you were a baby. At Rudy Hill, you now work with many students who come from refugee and migrant backgrounds. So how does your own experience help you to understand and relate to the students you work with now? Well, I think um, it's not just relating to the students who are from refugee and migrant backgrounds. It's being able to, um, I guess, use my own experience uh, to relate to, to all students. And for me, as much as Sri Lanka and being from there is a part of that, um, equally um, and perhaps even stronger in many ways, I am Australian and growing up in two different regional and rural towns um, has shaped um, who I am as well and then moving to the city so I think when it comes to culture you know it's not just um, in terms of like cultural like background it's often people think of like countries or race or religion um, but I guess it's that idea of you know there's different sets of social norms and expectations and rituals um, and as a teacher it's being able to just come in and be able to connect with all the students that are in front of you um, in whatever way your own experience can help do that. Yeah, and you've said before that social justice has always been a big part of your teaching philosophy. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think um, especially being a history teacher and training as a historian as well at Sydney University, uh, for me social justice has always 
in linked to human rights um, and I guess even going into education to be a teacher uh, it was that firm belief that I believed that education was one of the, the rights that everybody should have access to and that we need to work uh, continuously to make sure that when there are barriers um, for students being able to even come to school at times or to be able to achieve, uh, that we need to be able to see what they are um, and be able to respond to that. And yeah, I guess that's where equity comes in and being able to, to recognise that not all students start off um, with the same opportunities. Um, and throughout high school as well, I guess it's a really difficult time for a lot of teenagers um, and being able to just, I guess, come at it with that empathy and understanding. Um, and I think that's where that strong link is, is just being able to, to be able to uh, understand a situation um, and do what is necessary to be able to ensure that that student um, is happy and successful at school. Yeah, and I've always thought as a humanities teacher, you're trying to help your students to understand themselves and the world around them. And so we've talked about this already, that a lot of your students come from many different backgrounds and of course they all have their own range of unique experiences. Do you find having students share those personal experiences in the classroom helps them to understand the world and their place in it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes, um, contrary to what people might think, sometimes those students in our, like classes that will say, oh, I don't have a culture, um, you know, when they're comparing themselves to, to other students that uh, might have come from, a, from overseas or their families from a migrant or refugee background. And I, I think the key is to actually, you know, be able to work with students and say, you know, your values and where you've come from and what you're aspiring to is just as valuable as anybody else's life experience. Um, and how when they feel comfortable enough to even explore that, and as teenagers, they're often you know, learning to, to figure out who they are and their own identity and I think it's a real privilege to be able to work with young people um, during such a, um, I guess, transitional time in their lives. And that I've, I've found that when I have been able to uh, model that in class in terms of what that would look like um, and that's where I, like I mentioned before, I do draw upon, you know, my experiences even being in a country town in, this, in, in New South Wales and moving to a regional centre and moving to Sydney and having absolutely no idea, you know, how to even work out public transport. And the kids just laugh at me because, you know, that's part of their, um, just their normal world, being, being in metropolitan Sydney and living right near a train station. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's really a part of responding to all, all of our experiences. And sometimes it can be a little bit hard uh, for students to be able to talk about them and if they don't, uh, if, they're not, if they're not comfortable, like that's fine as well and, and finding other ways for them to be able to engage perhaps in smaller groups um, and even, even with somebody else in the class to, to help build uh, rapport, not just with me as their teacher, but to be able to build relationships with other peers in their classes as well. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about your classroom practice now because I've read that you give your students personalised learning plans and I'm really interested in hearing more about this. So how does it work and I guess what does it look like in a humanities classroom to give students personalised learning plans? Sure, so there's, I guess there's two um, different things when we talk about personalised learning with students. Um, as, as a whole school, Rudy Hill High School has been recognised for the program that we have in implementing personalised learning plans. Um, so as a teacher, um, what that looks like for me is in terms of the work that other people have led at the school, um, especially the, the welfare team, uh, that every student twice a year is interviewed about their goals, about how they've gone in their subjects and reflecting and they have an opportunity to be able to set goals. Um, so that's separate 
to my work as a classroom teacher, where what I advocate for in terms of assessment and the way that I give students choice um, in terms of their learning really comes from being a history teacher and taking an inquiry approach uh, where students are given opportunities to, to explore transnational histories and case studies uh, that link to their interest um, compared to the ones that you know I might model as a class and we'll work together as well. But to be able to look at the big themes and the big concepts in history um, and offering choice. Yeah, and so has this proved to be an effective approach for your students? Yes, it has. In terms of um, engagement and just really getting them to see links as well um, between history and um, other disciplines within the school uh, and taking an approach that really, I guess, asks them to uh, be inquisitive and be imaginative and these are two of the, I guess, key dispositions um, that Rudy Hill High School like focuses on as part of a creativity wheel that we have developed working with Dr. Bill Lucas. Um, so yeah, that, they're two key components, but it also includes being collaborative, being persistent, also being disciplined um, as well to be able to finish your product and share a product and all those sorts of things. And when students are engaged, but they have a task that is also challenging and full of rigor, um, I think when yeah, we can offer choice and we can embed what student feedback you know we receive uh, in terms of the way that we teach to be able to refine and, and make it better for them and to, for following cohorts, it's just this continuous cycle. And I think, yeah, the more that we're able to offer students' choice, the more they respond um, in terms of making learning fun, but also meaningful. Yeah. And yesterday, I know throughout your career you've worked with many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students. Could you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yes, uh, I was the coordinator of Aboriginal education here at Rudy Hill from 2013 to 2015. Um, and I was on the team uh, soon after I arrived here as well. And in that time, um, I worked with the school to establish um, our first a partnership with the Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience. And I also coordinated an, a program that was already existing in the school called the AFL Indigenous Academies. Um, and so they were sort of two key extracurricular programs uh, that helped not only our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students, but they also came in to support our school's NAIDOC celebrations and Harmony Day and were always um, a sense of support that we could go to. Um, working um, with also, of course, our local Aboriginal education consultative group who were the first, um, it's the first group that we, you know, we make sure that we go to in terms of advice and community consultation. So yeah, part of that was, um, I guess, establishing um, AIM in the school and that's since been transitioned to other coordinators. Um, and that, yeah, really enabled me to um, get to know the community. Uh, I was also teaching Aboriginal studies in New South Wales, which is an HSC course. And so it just helped with teaching that as a teacher as well and being able to uh, promote reconciliation in the school through a number of other initiatives as well. Yeah, and it's clear to me that you have a range of different experiences. And so I was wondering then as an educator, where do you turn to for support? Do you have a specific mentor or are you part of a network? Um, I guess I've got various mentors in various roles. And I guess one of the things um, being a teacher, when you're a teacher is you have an opportunity to work in different roles and part of that is developing capacity when you move on to other roles like I have now, Average Education is led by other people in the school um, and and being able to, to know when you've taken on a new role, you know, who it is that you need to go for. So yeah, I have some fantastic uh, mentors in my supervisors, including my head teachers and of course my principal and deputy principals. Um, but I also do have some other, like I guess, networks, including people um, that I've met through the Teach Me New South Wales network. 
who I've been going to um, or met since like my first year of teaching. I'm also on the executive of the Australian Curriculum Studies Association and through that association, alliance, I guess now, I have um, mentors that are also academics working in education and teachers in other schools um, as we work to really um, advocate for curriculum issues at a national level and to design professional learning and things around that too. So I guess, yeah, there's quite a number of different networks um, that have come through. Renaissance Women's Leadership Network is another one that I've been a part of uh, since it started. Um, and yeah, I get to those events when I can. And I think that, yeah, there is absolutely brilliant power um, in networks and sometimes it doesn't mean, you know, you can't always go to everything, but there are people that you meet um, that you can rely on. And I actually wouldn't have gotten even, even through my degree if it wasn't for the network that I met at Sydney University when I was studying the double degree to become a teacher. I'm, yeah, it's still, that's still a strong network and um, an awesome, like, sense of professional uh, support as well as friendship. Yeah, fantastic. And I guess finally then... It seems clear to me that a lot of your work as an educator is about building students' confidence in themselves and breaking down barriers at the same time. Is that your experience? Yes, I think um, in any classroom, you know, if we don't actually uh, engage students and make them feel comfortable, then the learning is not going to happen. And so, you know, I think part of that is just responding to how students are like in your classroom and there might have been something else going on or something's happened at home and being able to adapt uh, and actually just show that you care about them as a person um, and you know that sometimes that can mean that you don't actually talk to them about what they're learning about in a class um, and it's really just actually making sure that they're okay in the first instance and referring them to um, other support where appropriate. And yeah, I think that's where the role of teachers, when people talk about that emotional load, can be, can be quite tough. Um, but it's also what ultimately helps make those connections that enable us to make the, the impact on students that we do. That's all for this episode. To keep listening or to download any of the podcasts in our archive, just visit acr.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen A-C-E-R. The full transcript of this podcast is available at teachermagazine.com.au. That's where you'll also find links to subscribe to our podcast channels or to our email bulletin so you never miss a story. You've been listening to a podcast supported by the new Australian Student Wellbeing Framework. This national framework captures the holistic nature of what contributes to students feeling safe, connected, supported and engaged in their learning. Visit studentwellbeinghub.edu.au to discover the framework, resources and more.